those are those are instances where someone should be taken to a clinician and not not a detention center where they're further victimized where they're further a a a, a strain on resources and they're not getting the care they're not getting the care in there then they're released back out with the, the albatross of a record that follows them now and all they needed was some maybe uh, some meds and to get stable for uh, a couple nights and treatment that's all they needed for treatment hi I'm Lance, and this is Unsilent, a speak series by No Stigmas that champions mental health advocacy and challenges the stigmas that all too often prevent people from getting the help they need. We're so glad you're here. And in today's conversation, we get to talk with George Brooks, who's a mental health advocate and the founder of his own nonprofit, Meta Association. He is passionate about advocacy around destigmatizing and decriminalizing mental illness, committed to working toward reducing recidivism and helping former inmates reintegrate into society. We dive into all of this, as well as advocacy around black male mental health and equity and the necessity for peer support. We thank George so much for taking the time to talk with us about this incredibly important topic. All right, let's dive in. Well, uh, I, for one, began to have symptoms myself around about age seven. So I grew up uh, dealing with multiple diagnoses and, and dealing with that. Uh, combined with several chronic health issues and also the the the, the blessing of being a black man in, in America uh, gave me some interesting experiences and instead of allowing those to limit me or, or break me I've taken that trauma and pain and decided to just try to help other people I was definitely more introverted as a child and I realized that was me compensating or that was my coping mechanism for my mental illness um, I learned to manipulate at an early age. I was pretty introverted, very creative, probably too trusting, um, just a lot of things. And I, I think um, when you have a mental illness, especially as a child, you pick up a lot of undesirable characteristics that people will 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 chalk up to your character when they're not really about your character. They're more so about you finding ways to survive. So, you know, and that's something too that we deal with um, in, in terms of stigma because the person that we encounter oftentimes that does have that mental illness may be an addict, may be good at lying, may be a manipulator, may uh, lie about omission, may do all kinds of undesirable things. Not with an intent to her to be malicious, but they may have to, you know, they may, that may be how they buy themselves room to have peace to survive, if I can put it that way, so. I dealt with the trappings of a normal adolescent. Uh, you know, it was just exacerbated by so much other stuff going on. And and my diagnosis is bipolar 1, DID, and PTSD. And during that time, you know, most people may remember, they didn't diagnose bipolar in people that young. So, you know, I knew early what it was because I was blessed in the sense that my parents weren't the type to, you know, if someone told them their child had a mental illness, they didn't pull the throw the hands up and fall out and, oh, what are we going to do thing. They were like, well, let's get him to someone who knows this that can get him help. And that, that you know, even compounded with all the other BS I had to go through is what made it, one of the things that made a big difference. And in me raising a son, a 17-year-old son with a mental illness, uh, a behavior disorder, you know, that's one thing I've always trumpeted. And, and when I advocate for black mental health, you know, I say, you know, 
to 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 uh, everyone. You have to change your attitude toward clinicians. Um, a lot of times as black people, we have a mistrust of clinicians for various reasons. Uh, but we, we have to temper that. We have to temper our racial trauma. We have to temper our cultural appropriation, all those things in a way to finally get to where we can keep ourselves healthy. And we have not done that. Uh, I started Meta Association, my nonprofit, which you can reach me at metaassociation.org. I started it uh, four years ago, almost five, when I relocated to Memphis from Dallas uh, during my recovery. And that's really how I... I that's become the tool and my ministry, more or less. Uh, I just held my first event. Well, we just held our first event in my hometown of Memphis, where we gave several speaks about uh, mental illness in the black community, uh, mental illness and isolation. Uh, we, we're, we're starting to initiate and prompt some of those discussions that have needed to happen for a long time, but never have. And until, until we learn to have those discussions, no stigma will be broken down and no healing will, will really occur. I think when it comes to uh, our, our care, especially since I think what we're having is this generation of those living with mental illness really now speaking up and saying, hey, let's look at it. I think you'll see a vast improvement in further generations because we're becoming better prepared parents. And... I don't hear too many horror stories. I'm hearing fewer and fewer horror stories from people that have mental illness about their parents nowadays. You know, uh, it's getting better. Uh, I think uh, one thing that I'm really happy about is the, the the newfound collaboration between, you know, the Black community and the Black church. And let me preface that by saying this. When I say I support the Black community, that's not at the exclusion of anyone. It's just, I just, that's what I am. So that's what I know. So I'm just dealing with that first. You know, I believe in cleaning my house and cleaning my neighbor. Now, I get calls from everyone, from all over the world, from different people. Anyone that knows me, I'm all for helping everybody. But I feel like we have to have, you know, you have to have somewhere to start. You have to have somewhere to anchor the Bill Foundation. And that's just where, 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 where I feel like the greatest need is. Mine was really about 10 years ago, um, poor, poor physical health, near death, multiple organ failure. Uh, in the throes of a cocaine addiction, going through a uh, tumultuous separation and divorce, uh, custody problems, economic uh, economic dismemberment, if that's a term, that's kind of what I was going through. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, economic dismemberment. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much where I was. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that and, and really that was the best thing that kind of happened to me in a sense that it stripped me down to nothing to where I all I had was myself, four walls and my brain. And I had to build myself up from everything. It's like it, it was almost tantamount to learning how to have to walk again. And in that, you know, you have to rebuild yourself mentally. And I got to see areas. OK, yeah, my, my illness does affect me here. So let me fortify this area, but I can use improvement here. And that carries on to this day because the Lord knows I'm far from perfect. But at least now I can see now where I'm thinking a little bit, bit more. It may happen after I do something, which is probably not as good as forethought, but at least I can kind of see the wheels turning. And once I really did that and incorporated some other things like coping skills and support systems, I noticed that opportunities would improve. My health would improve. Uh, I was able to get more done. I was able to to persevere with my nonprofit through a pandemic 
and no real um, no real backing like I would have hoped circumstances notwithstanding. Um, this has been a one man operation pretty much. Uh, just run off of you know really no donations because of the economy, but I've kept it going. So, you know, hitting that rock bottom it was really what caused me to not rebound, but to stand up for the first time. I've got what my son calls my soul tribe, and those are people that have shown that they are, that they really care, um, that, you know, there are varying degrees of, of intimacy on those relationships in terms of, you know, how close or, you know, I might tell someone what, I, what the bad dinner did to me last night, whereas I don't. You know, you're going to have people in your life to varying degrees, but I feel like I have a good support system in place. You know, I feel like I have the right people around me. And that came through me improving myself because you are what you attract and you track what you are. And if you if you're looking at your life, whether you're dealing with a mental illness or not, and you're around the wrong people or people that don't in, in, embody that which you want to have, that's on you. Because if you have four uh, four rich men and one poor man, you'll soon have five rich men. And that, that goes along with your mental health as well. Just be yourself. If you see somebody having a hard time, ask how you're feeling. And, 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 and this is, it, this, this helps a lot. I found this through my advocacy work. <clears throat> when you're out, no matter who you deal with, take a moment to ask someone how their day is going and actually mean it. And actually, actually stand there a second and just listen. Give them a minute of your time, because that affects someone mental, someone's mental health. Someone may be on the brink. I've met, I've met friends like that. Just people I've seen on the brink. Just you know how you go out and you just see somebody you know they're having a bad day. Hey, how you doing? Or I just walk up somebody. Hey, you know it's gonna get better. And keep on walking. Little things. And one of the things about mental health, too, I'm a big advocate of is self-care, uh, especially in the black community with black men, because we we typically have to we're, we're, we're told we're not allowed to have emotions. We're told us having emotions, even feeling them is weakness. And and we're already emasculated by 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 various uh, entities. So we have a lot of pressure on us. And one thing I try to advocate for all people to do, not just black males, but all people is to try to find an hour a day to do something to decompress this, your space. Not with your kids, not with your spouse, not for your kids, not for your spouse, 100% for you. And protect that and make it sacred because it will make a difference. It will make a difference. So it's little things that I've learned over the years that I would like to share. It's, 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 it, it's so much and so many things we can do to try to improve people's mental health because everything starts there even i notice even my physical health is related to my mental health and vice versa and, and especially you're dealing with the diaspora such as the black community that's always been economically disenfranchised what better way to improve that by dealing with something that we have to deal with anyway kill two birds with one stone the biggest thing is how we treat it systemically you know, you that's the only group I can think of that you can probably make a joke about and not get canceled over, you know. So um, we just have to change how we approach it because one of the reasons why Met Association focuses so much on recidivism is because the American penal system is the number one provider of mental health care in this country. If you look at it, because that's where most of our mental health, mentally ill end up at some point. And it puts an unnecessary strain on our legal system because 
those are those are instances where someone should be taken to a clinician and not not a detention center where they're further victimized, where they're further a, 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 a strain on resources and they're not getting the care. They're not getting the care in there. Then they're released back out with the, the albatross of a record that follows them now. And all they needed was some maybe uh, some meds and, and to get stable for uh, a couple of nights and treatment. That's all they needed for treatment. Because when these people come out of jail, they have to go back in the communities. They have to go and get jobs. And I've, I've, I've taught job training courses where I've helped the justice affected. So I know what they deal with. And so much of it is, is mental health related. And that's one of the things that, that, that I fight with and, and my nonprofit Meta Association stands for. Things like food deserts. People don't think about how things like food deserts can affect someone's mental health, but it can. Uh, I went back, when I went back to Memphis, I went to my old neighborhood where I used to stay. And I finally remember this grocery store I used to walk to, and it's no longer there. It hadn't been there for years, but, you know, I was thinking as a child coming here now, you know, it would affect me knowing I can't even go around the corner to buy an apple if I want. You know, things like that play on people's mental health and people don't think about that. You know, it, 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 it plays down to the look of the neighborhood, to the feel of the neighborhood, to the to the economy of the neighborhood and those things affect people's mental health. You can't have people just living anyway uh, uh, and saying, well, that's on them and expect them to, to operate on the same level or under the same tendency issue. It doesn't work like that. Especially with black men. I mean, you can't, you, you, you're not even supposed to even, really even reference someone having a mental illness because you know in the black community it's unheard of to really go for help except for recently because the stigma is your weakness you're you're weak you're thrown away that's it not that you're a bad person you know not that you know your name is no good but you know and when when you when you're faced with being slapped with that label, especially being men, because men are the most insecure in creatures on earth, of course you're not going to have people readily seeking care. And you know my thing is we have to work so hard to change that now while the care is being made accessible, while the care is being made available, while people are working to make the care affordable, let's try to get that care started. But, you know, it's, it's, it's like trying to uh, catch water in your hand. And, and that's what we have to keep dealing with. But the best way to deal with it is on an individual level and get people working on themselves individually and find their own path. You know, all we can do is kind of, you know, all any of us can do, any nonprofit, anything you can do is kind of just point you to resources and help you network. But as far as doing the day-to-day work, that's really upon you to do. Injuries to the mind, diseases to the mind, are are can almost be abstract to some people just the the concept of knowing that this person's brain may biologically not secrete the same hormone as the next person some people cannot even conceive that you know so we we have to break it down even on that level to get people understanding because if you don't have understanding you won't if you don't have a willingness to understand you can't have a dialogue and you won't see any Find a small nonprofit or, or local charity, whatever you're liking, and try to volunteer at least a couple hours a month 
and donate if you can, because I know that they don't have uh, a lot of the resources that people think that they do. And you never know, they be they may be working on a project where somebody that can dedicate 10 hours a month may save them money, may, uh, may, may help them out, may be the infusion that they need to keep themselves going. Also prayer, you know, prayer does help. You know, good good wishes do help. If you can't necessarily donate financially, just say, you know, hey, you know, I appreciate what you're doing. That does go a long way, especially on those long days. And the thing is, if you can find a way to volunteer while you're sitting on the couch, if you're a gamer, try to do something like a do like a gaming marathon for a charity. Just people think outside the box of ways to do some things, and maybe through that they'll find their own purpose, especially for those of us living with a mental illness uh, because it keeps us from obsessing over our illness, which I did for years to where we lose ourselves in it. And once you lose yourself in it and it becomes you, you're going to have a rough time for a while. You know, you, you forget who you are. And uh, once you remember who you are, it helps you see other people better. And that's, that's how we improve the state of mental mental illness by talking about it by engaging, by being open, and by sharing resources and information. Steve Harvey, he said, uh, he was talking about prayer. And he said, you don't have what you want because you're too afraid to ask for it. And I think we do that a lot in life. We deny ourselves certain things we want because we feel as though it's vain. There's nothing wrong with wanting nice things. There's nothing wrong with wanting more for yourself. As long as you try to get more for other people. And that's a good business adage. That's a good way to conduct business. Zig Ziglar said, the best way to get what you want is to find a way to make to help other people get what they want. And that's how you have to treat your mental illness. You have to treat it so it can treat you. It's like with my diabetes. I have to treat it so it can treat me. To go beyond the show, be sure to connect with us on all social media platforms at No Stigmas, and you can always reach out at nostigmas.org to connect with us and see how we can team up together to champion mental health equity for all. Remember, to break these stigmas, we must be unsilent. We'll see you next time.